The Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast is presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Sign up for DraftKings Sportsbook by using promo code RTRS and brought to you by Big Barker Therapeutic Dog Beds. Get yours at bigbarker.com slash Ricky Briggs Auction, the aforementioned Briggs Auction, uh, the official auction of the process at briggsauction.com. Cornblow and Cornblow, the official law firm of the process, and stateside Urban Craft Vodka, the official sponsor of the Corner 3 newsletter with Zoe, statesidevodka.com, also home of Surfside, iced tea and vodka. On the show today, the Sixers lose their second straight, right? Yes, to the Celtics in just an absolutely atrocious game, following up an absolutely atrocious game as the Sixers head headfirst into the trade deadline looking like total dog shit. Furkan Korkmaz makes his second trade demand since joining the Sixers, which is amazing. Furkan Korkmaz actually made more trade demands than Ben Simmons ever did. Um, what else? All kinds of stuff. We get to the ringer, top 100, or return to the voicemails and emails, and we are a day away from the trade deadline. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube live or watching YouTube at all, make sure you subscribe Subscribe and turn on notifications. We do almost every pod live right here. Uh, also, Live Ricky 5, Live Ricky 5 Victory Tour on sale uh, February 22nd. You have to have, you have to be a newsletter subscriber to do the pre sale. That is the pre sale on February 22nd and the regular on sale February 24th. Remember, it's very small because it's at Underground Arts and our special guest will be announced Friday. We hope, fingers crossed, depends on how the trade deadline goes. I did mention stateside urban craft vodka. I got the black label bourbon right here. Stateside vodka has the very now famous Surfside iced tea and vodka, which has now expanded to the Surfside peach tea and vodka, the Surfside iced tea and lemonade and vodka, and the Surfside lemonade and vodka exclusively. All amazing. All available at statesidevodka.com. You got to be 21 to drink it. Without any further ado, Amos and the chef. Welcome to the Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast. I'm Spike Eskin, along with a guy that spends five nights a week at Beats conferences, breaking down beats in hotel ballrooms. That is one Mike Levin. Fucking disgusting loss. Terrible. Loss. Absolute fucking embarrassment to lose to the Celtics team without Jalen Brown. He played the first couple minutes of the game without Al Horford, Marcus Smart, Robert Williams. Yeah. A team that fucking owns you all the time and to come out flat and stupid Fucking dumb as hell. Just an embarrassing, embarrassing loss. I think some people, AU tweeted about this and a couple of people were texting me like, oh, it's just a game where like the Celtics hit everything. No, that's not, no. that isn't what this is. It wasn't nope. like when you're playing against Kawhi and he's hitting like contested 19 footers. This is like, they are getting wide open threes because of the same dumb fucking shit we've been doing forever. You have to fucking double as much as they want to double, it's sometimes you have to double. Sometimes guys are just getting by guys. Like Tatum on the floater at the end just blew by Tobias uh, very easily. But a lot of times it is pointless, needless doubling, overhelping, and it's all connected. It just it takes one fucking easy pass to a shooter, and the Sixers are too slow to rotate. They're too small to rotate and contest. Like every single play on the defensive end, you can pause it when the Boston or anybody gets a ball handler in the lane. And it's the defense collapses into the paint, and every single sixer is in in the in the paint. Every single sixer is in the paint, and it's just wide open shooters on the outside. Everyone just wide open. Hey, take your pick. Who do you want to shoot it? It doesn't matter. Every single time, Tatum drive at the end of the third. He's got Niang on him. 
Niang doing a good job on him, moving his feet, containing him, doing stuff. Shake Milton comes over into no man's land, and it's an easy kick out to a Derek White three. It's just like every single time, it's this shit. Every single fucking time. We talked to Tobias about it when he was on the podcast. I didn't want to get as a, I should have gotten more mad about it too, Tobias. But he was like, <laughs> well, sometimes you want to get the ball out of like their best player's hands, give it to, you know, the fourth or fifth option. But like, if you're a fourth or fifth option in the NBA playing in most of the time or crunch time or whatever, you can hit a catch and shoot three. That's what you're there to do. And he was wrong then. It's stupid now. I don't know who on the Sixers, whether it's Dan Burke or Doc Rivers or just the Sixers natural, the players deciding they want to do this. They help too fucking much. They give up so many easy goddamn looks. It's disgusting. I could, I could just keep going. I wrote, I wrote them all down. I could just go through every play where they have to do that. It's not, we don't have to do that. We don't have we to don't. do that. But like, then they put like Doc puts Thibel in at the end. This is why like, it's frustrating Thibel on the offensive end. He had a nice three tonight, but also a couple misses, you know, is generally as useless offensively as PJ Tucker is. It's frustrating. It's hard to watch, but at least defensively, you can put him on somebody and then you don't have to fucking double as much or you don't feel the need to double as much. I don't think they should double as much as it is. But the reason why we held him in the fourth quarter for at least some amount of time was because Matisse was doing a good job on Tatum and not allowing him to just get by whoever and not feeling like Shake or Maxi or Harden or whoever has to come over and help. But it's just like, it's, it's really, really dumb defense. It's dumb defense. And then on the offensive end, they just like had a, couple, a bunch of wide open catch and shoot looks that they hesitated on. Tobias hesitated on him and Bede hesitated on him. Harden hesitated on him. It's just like this, what do we, you guys can't do that. And that's the reason they lost. Because Boston shot 19 of 35 on, for the most part, wide open threes. And the Sixers shot 10 of 31. And that's the difference. And it's really, really frustrating in a game when like you have so many better players than they do, but you're just dumb as shit. And like you're watching Sam Hauser, who is not in the NBA for any reason other than he's a good shooter. He's a great shooter. That's all he does. And you're playing off him. You're not getting a hand up on him. James Harden doesn't get a hand up enough. Guy's shooting threes right over his face. It's just, you know, Embiid doesn't respect like mediocre bigs who can shoot, who can like only kind of shoot. But like when Blake hits his fourth or fifth in a row, like maybe give it a shot. And it's just like, it's embarrassing. They should be embarrassed. Just like giving up wide open shots. The, the Sixers are one of the better three-point shooting teams in the league, at least percentage-wise, if not still the best. Um, but when it counts, you just like, I just don't trust them. I don't trust this team. I don't trust this team. I don't trust this team. And we're on fucking trade deadline Eve. If Montrose Harrell plays one more goddamn minute, I'm going to lose my fucking mind. I'm going to, I'm going to, I've, Daryl's been very nice to me. He's a sweet guy. I'm going to kill him. If Montrose Harrell is the backup center in the fucking, in the, in the rest of the season, I'm going to, Daryl, I will fist fight you. You're a big guy. He's very tall. I'm yeah. going to lose it. I'm going to lose yeah. it. I'm going to yeah, lose look, it. I, he is a big person. I don't know about that. Now, Mike, but I have more passion about Mike. this than yeah. he does. Clearly, yeah. he doesn't think backup center matters. So yeah. he's, he's on his heels. Yeah. Big tree fall hard, Daryl. Yeah. <laughs> they every every player sucked on the Sixers tonight. I, I guess you could say that Harden, Harden was pretty good offensively. Harden was but, pretty good offensively. Yeah, yeah. But but this was the a horrible Tobias Harris game. Horrible. The ones that he took quickly, he missed. And then the ones that he needed to take quickly, he didn't shoot at all. Yep. Uh, Maxi was horrible. Maxi was horrible defensively, and man, that the 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 six the Moses Malone esque six put back not make a uh, a light. like Maxi's been pretty off for the last couple of weeks, but tonight was a bad Maxi game. Yeah, I mean and that, that was done. this was this was the risk you run when you take him off the starting lineup. Like, nah, no, no, it is like you nah, change a guy's role, it. you change a confidence role. He's he's feeling good, he's feeling it. himself, like he's playing well, and you put him in the bench. Like when you, wait, 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 when you switch wait. when you switch a guy like that, it takes some no, time to no, to no, like no. adjust. To you're, that. you're Mister. You're Mister. Doesn't matter if they start or don't. Start. I told. I totally am. I totally am. But but he's one of the best players, and we take him off the bench. Like it's going to take time to adjust. I think he will. I think it's not going to be like long term damage problem. Probably, but I don't think it matters, but players do. Well, then it matters. I think it shouldn't, is, is how I generally feel about it. But I, it, wow. it is. He's, he has a tough time finding his role. He has a tough time like looking confident. They put him out there with all bench units, and it's just him and like yeah, guys I, that are just like giving him the ball to pass through. Tough time finding like, his role. He's the, the, he, he gets the ball every, every play. What do you mean tough time finding his role? His role is to either score or score or distribute. It's not like complicated. If anything, his role is clearer 
as the six man then and and by the way it it worked for the first week and a half that he was here anyway maxi to the side uh niang just missed shots i like i don't even know what to say about niang he's yeah, like i don't want to sometimes he missed shots bury him on it but Embiid, look man if robert williams isn't going to be in there and horford isn't going to be in there i mean look he's he's had a, a really good season obviously dude you gotta have 39 and just fucking obliterate them that, that that's like you got to be unstoppable he had like four games where he looked pretty conscientious when the other team was doubling him but he has he has fallen back into old habits that way as well too and by the way like the entire team just like looked like like they were they were just oozing loser energy out there tonight i'm sorry like they just were they just they they looked hopeless and the other team to your point the the celtics are missing four of their five starters tonight essentially they had one starter in there tonight it's embarrassing and if the sixers won a game against a contender with one starter in there we'd be doing a a, a 90 minute um fucking parade podcast about how yeah. good that was and it just seemed like something the celtics normally do so yeah i mean it's a, it's just pathetic like yeah the the coaching staff like needs to answer for why they so frequently allow wide open threes like that's the biggest issue like there were times when the offense looked bad They're, like shots didn't fall sometimes they had a bunch of wide open looks themselves that like didn't go in like tippins missed around the, like you know like they only turned the ball over six times so it wasn't like that was you know they weren't getting on transition as much as they maybe could have like be, partially because there's too many guys that are too fucking slow to get there pj tucker montrez harrell even shake sometimes like just guys that are not you know matisse unless he's right at the rim isn't doing anything in transition like it's just it's the but the biggest issue is like when when they have it when they have hard and Embiid, their offense is gonna be pretty good it's not always gonna look great sometimes gonna be frustrating sometimes like guys are gonna pass up shots that they should take and like it's gonna be slow and there's gonna be some end of shot clock bullshit but like for the most part the offense is gonna be good when you have those guys it wasn't necessarily tonight but like generally it would be but the defense is that's like that's the ball game man like if you can't, if you can't like defend guys that don't need a double team every single play, but you feel the need to, or you're just sitting in no man's land, middle of nowhere, pointlessly, nothing, or Trez is getting scored on aimlessly, or you're just like miscommunicating again on switches, and all of a sudden there's wide open threes. Uh, it just it it blows my mind, and I really like need like answers to like what do, what do you guys want to see as far as help goes like somebody hammer someone for it whether it's doc and if doc wants to blame his assistant coaches or he wants to blame the players then fine but like the the personnel on this team well, it's got to be what, burke i mean that that's got to be burke i mean he, it's his sure defense, blame Denver. Right? i'm fine, yeah, fine yeah. with him yeah. we hate, look we Embiid was rivals with dan burke when he was in indiana and i'm happy to be rivals with dan burke again now it's, <laughs> i don't give a shit it's just like it's extremely frustrating to watch. They don't have the personnel to do it. Like so often, Embiid has to, somebody gets beat off the dribble. Embiid has to rotate over as a big, and then Embiid's guy. It could be Luke Cornett. It could be fucking Isaiah Hartenstein. It doesn't matter who it is. They're rolling at the rim. They're capable of catching a lob dunk. And then who has to come over from the weak side? But fucking Tyrese Maxey or George Niang, who has to like at least put a hand on that guy and either gets dunked over very easily inside because they're there pointlessly because they can't actually affect anything or they're over too far and it's an easy swing to the corner three which is the, the shot in basketball that the offense most wants to get and they're not fast enough or or long enough or athletic enough to get out there and actually impact the shot and like it's we're not the raptors at their peak a couple a year or two ago and we're not like miami when they're rolling and or the Bucks with Yon. Like we can't just like we can't cover more things at once. So you have to not send doubles because otherwise it's wide open fucking looks. And for a lot of the season, the Sixers were getting that were being the beneficiaries of teams shooting poorly from three. Missed threes. Yeah. That was going to regress to the mean. And it has a bunch of times, and they're not getting better at it. It's just like it's really, really dumb watching watching players like think about doubling and inching over there and then all of a sudden their guys open for three and then it's gone it's just it, it's 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 annoying to harp on it but there are very obvious problems with this team and when they keep revealing themselves it really makes you question just like how serious of an organization how serious of a coaching staff how serious of a group of players there are 
because like it just seems like they're fucking stupid. You watch it and you're like, God, this is dumb as hell. I got back from a week away today. I was I, I was at Fly the Process and then I was in Phoenix for Media Row for work for the the Super Bowl. And I came back and my wife wasn't home. I saw my dog, Rebel. Rebel was so happy to see me, he peed on the floor. That is love. That's true love. So his way of showing love to me is that he pees on the floor when he sees me. My way of showing love to him is putting him on a big barker, big barker, therapeutic dog bed. I love my dog. I want him to be happy and healthy well into his later years. He's about to turn nine years old. And as dogs get older, their joints get creaky. And that's why it is important that from a young age, and certainly as, as your dog gets older, your dog's sleeping on a good bed, a real bed. And Big Barker is the only real dog bed. Bigbarker.com slash Ricky. You want to show, you want to prove to the world that you love your dog? You get up a Big Barker. Bigbarker.com slash Ricky. What's the difference? Well, as soon as you get the Big Barker in your house, you'll see the difference. Like you'll feel the difference. The dog beds that you'll see at, at pet stores, that you get at pet stores, maybe the one that you have in your house, oh, it's soft, it's fluffy. You don't sleep on a bed that's soft and fluffy. You sleep on a bed that's supportive. Pillows are soft, soft and fluffy, not beds. The Big Barker is supportive, engineered by experts to do it that way. A study by PenVet proved that this was possible, proved that, that it happened, proved that these dogs are have less joint stiffness, less pain severity with the Big Barker. If you go to bigbarker.com slash Ricky, you get the Big Barker dog bed and the process pup patch. There's one... Uh, one uh, lady at the uh, at, at Fly the Process that had the Process Pup Patch on her hat. You get two of them. You can put one on your hat. And you send us a photo of your dog on the bed. We put them in the Process Pup Gallery. Ten-year warranty. The foam doesn't flatten or they replace it for free. One-year at-home trial. If you don't like it, if your dog doesn't like it, you get a full refund. They even pay for the shipping. Handmade in the USA. Big Barker dog bed. Blah. I feel like the Sixers, I could be wrong. But I feel like the Sixers, right before the trade deadline, every year suck. Is this a regular thing, or is it just something? Well, it's that February. I, they they always they play like oh, shit right. in February. When before the season, AU had the what are the what do the Sixers do in January article, mm-hmm. and the numbers like really back it up. I think it was before the season, or maybe it was a couple months ago. I have no idea what the sense of time is, but <laughs> the like their numbers in January versus numbers in February over the last like six years since Joel's played have been crazy, um, and I think. This is just what it is. Maybe it's trade deadline. Maybe they're all like spooked about it, about being traded or who's going to go or whatever. But I mean, just, you know, the bench obviously played horrendous in the next game. Uh, truly embarrassing. And, and just like when, when like an all bench lineup does well, like once in a while, Doc gets to have like a victory tour for himself. Like he, he does have a victory tour, but when it doesn't go badly, he's like, well, we need it. We need it. We need it. And you know, but we believe in those guys. And it's like one every once every five games or like once every one stint every five games. So there's two all bench stints in each game. So it's one one every 10 times a bench lineup will like look good for a little bit. And you're like, and Doc gets to like have a little party for himself. And then he's going to keep doing it. It's just, it's crazy. It's, it's crazy. He's on his fourth team that he's coached and he watches this happen. And he's not, he's not auditioning like playoff lineups. He's just like, I'm doing this. And it's disgusting. Like it just sucks. Trez well, should not be out there without Harden at any point. He's not playable regularly, and he's less playable when Harden's not out there. To at least give him something, and it's just unbelievable. As we move it into trade deadline discussion, like it, it does pose probably the biggest question, right? Going into the trade deadline with the team in general, is that like how close are they? Right? Do you know what I'm saying? Like it 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 paints every decision going forward and we've talked a bunch of times about the idea of trading maxi or they really only have one first round pick they can trade and even that one's kind of complicated to trade anyway and you just think to yourself like it are are they that one move away from being a, a championship team and you see the way that they play against the celtics backups and then you think about milwaukee and you think to yourself, are they, can they really win three series and get to the NBA Finals? And games like this, even especially when you're on the edge anyway, but games like this really just fucking make it very, very hard to believe that. Very hard to believe that. Yeah, I want to drive off a cliff right now, so I don't know that mm. the that I'm mm. like in the best space to talk. It's just like it's a fucking frustrating team because they just do this all the time, man. 
They just do this all the time. And maybe that's Joel. And it's just been Joel teams for a long time. Like he needs to be like, he's incredible. Some of the moves he did tonight were unbelievable. Um, he had some good moments, but he wasn't a he, this wasn't a great game from him. No, I mean, it was like, yeah. a, but like the fact that like 28 on 21 shots, yeah, like he, he, it's just like, he's just really a very, like his, the, the meltdowns that he had in previous years, you know, against like Marcus all or, or Horford or whoever, like, that's just like not going to happen anymore. Cause he's too good for that. But like, he still needs to get to the next level of like, I perform at this level and also my team wins. And they, he just, they need to win these games. Like I, the, do you, the, it's easy to get frustrated about like games that they should win and winnable. Game. Like the next game was like, obviously they were up like 25 early on and then just like decided to not give a fuck and lost and they should be embarrassed by that. But like the reason you harp on it is because they have the, they have the hardest rest of the season schedule in the league. Listen to the last, how many is it? Listen to the last 10 games of the season, March 24th to the end. At Golden State, at Phoenix, at Denver. Home against Dallas, home against Toronto, at Milwaukee, home against Boston, home against Miami, at Atlanta, at Brooklyn. There's less 10 games a season. Those are all very difficult games. Like, depending on what the Raptors do, maybe. But, like, those, those are good teams. You're not going to be able to, like, coast in the playoffs. Like, you have to win games now. Bank wins. And they're thinking about that. Of course they are. But, like... They're just not. They're just not like a like step on the throat team, and step, and they just like should be. You see other teams do it. You see teams put teams away, and the Sixers have just like never been consistently that team, and they don't deserve our trust. Can we move into trade deadline stuff? Just I, really, I, just let me say two nice things about Joel. Okay, he, he, he stepped through the double team to hit a floater. That was really cool. Yeah, yeah I've never seen him do that before. Uh, Exercise some like impressive patience and composure. And then the deceleration finish. Yeah, it was crazy. Was crazy. When he drove yeah. in from 23, he stopped all of his momentum on one foot. It really yeah. did. I was like, that's 100% that's a walk. And then they showed the replay. And I was like, yeah, it how, is that, how is it not a walk? It's not. Yeah. Um, unbelievable. But then also, and I thought it was, not, you know, when they double and beat, every time they double and beat, it should be a thank you. We should say thank you. And he needs to find guys. And then he did the one assist he had on the night because nobody else had shots was uh, when he doubled him at the, at the high post. And he found Melton for a layup underneath. Like there should be if they if teams are dumb enough to double him in the middle of the court, he has to punish them. And then we have to capitalize on that. But then man, just like a you know, to your point of it not being a good Embiid game, he had a couple of nice blocks, a handful of good defensive plays, deflections, et cetera. But like 0.5 seconds left in the shot clock, and they get a lob dunk out of it. Yeah. And that was his fault, by the way. That was, that his was fault. him and Matisse, both of them. Yeah. Like yeah. that's just like that's not recognition, that's poor awareness, that's poor like that's lack of toughness, like all of it. It's by the way, I could have I would have bet I wish DraftKings had a prop on the Celtics scoring on that play. Yeah. Because as soon as it was what is it, Williams that was trying to score on Tucker and Tucker stopped him. It was a nice obviously he should stop Grant Williams. It was a nice little stop by Tucker. As soon as they put 0.5 back on the clock, I would have it should have been minus twenty five thousand that the yeah. Celtics were gonna score on that play. But, and of course they throw a lob. Like for not, to yeah. not even look, to not even consider. Like both of those guys, Embiid and Thibault, like ostensibly two of the best defensive players in this team. Like total lack of awareness from both of them on this end. It's just like it's a joke. To kick off the the trade deadline discussion, we did get a voicemail, a very concerning voicemail. Eight three three Lickface is the voicemail number. Spike, Michael, Christopher Jackson. Uh, the Sixers need to blow it up immediately when your best player. Shockingly, demands a trade. That being Kirk on Gorkmont, your franchise just simply can't recover. Thank you. Go Sixers. It sucks that the Sixers lost to the Celtics, so we can't give proper due to Furkan Korkmaz making another trade demand. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it is amazing. That in the good, same I mean, good, week... I would, I would demand a trade. It's a little the, tough because, like... In the same week, the Sixers... The blue coats trade for Jaleel Okafor and Furkan oh Korkmaz. Oh Wait, the Sixers trade for Jaleel Okafor, or the blue coats trade for Jaleel Okafor. Furkan Korkmaz makes a trade demand, and the Sixers are rumored to be interested in Nerlens Noel. <laughs> like these are all rumors, all for us. Yeah. Um, so so far, prior to the deadline, we've seen a few. I might stop trades. becoming a Sixers fan. I might, I might not become a Sixers fan and just be like a Jason, a James Wiseman hater. That just might be my only thing. I'm gonna abandon everything. Well, that's else. already Sam Esfandiari's thing. 
I know you're a, a Wiseman hater, but I've he's... been for a long time. I know, but that's his corner. I mean, you're not. That can't be your corner. I no, but I'm not rooting for the Warriors. I just want to. Uh, I want nothing. I want to have no other opinions. I'm. I'm losing every other opinion and just saying that Wiseman sucks and it's crazy that people are still talking about him like an asset. Do you think Jaleel Ogilvy would be a better option than Montrezl Harrell? Um, I think at the very least, he could like hit a floater. He probably could hit a floater. Yeah, a little like a little uh, ballet toes in the paint. Actually, before we get to the trade thing, we did get a, a Trez voicemail as well. Hey, Spike, Mike, and CJ. Just watched Trez miss that dunk by about six inches there. Guy's center box around his legs. My wife is sitting here watching the game with me. Doesn't like basketball at all. And it's asking me why Trez is wearing a headband and a T-shirt and why he runs so slow up and down the court. This guy stinks. I really hope they don't trade b-ball paul at the deadline love the pod ttp go birds yeah i mean like why wears a headband and a t-shirt that's a good question <laughs> he's he's so bad he's so bad he's so bad right now it's unbelievable he can't jump at all he can't no. do anything i actually he can't even feel a little bad because he was so explosive he was before. so explosive it is very sad yeah and now that he has two water heater tanks on each of his legs and he can't do anything <laughs> it takes him so long he's not fast to get a rebound or a loose ball or contesting drives the one time when brogdon blew by tobias on the fake handoff trez recognizes it and it's like honestly i'm trying to think of what it looked like it looked like like an old man got woken up in the middle of the night by like a robber and he's like go going to get his like bat in the corner and he's like, but he's still like in his underwear and he's like, ah, ah, ah. like that's what he was trying to like. And he decides like, no, just take it. Just take the basket. I don't want any, take all my shit. I don't want it. It was, I mean, and the fact that Luke Cornett is like playable as I've been calling for him for years. And like, we still have these fucking same, the same guy over and over again, past his prime, can't do anything on the offensive end. And also can't defend in space. And Trez is the worst version of it. Like, not worse than DeAndre Jordan. Maybe. Maybe. At least DeAndre Jordan was tall. But, like, Drummond was the best version of that kind of guy. And then Dwight Howard was the second best version of that kind of guy. And they still sucked. And they still aren't playable in the playoffs. And we still are just, like, destined to have this kind of guy. And at least those guys could rebound. Trez is a horrendous rebounder. He's, just, he's six seven. He doesn't do anything. He's off. I can't. Daryl, I swear to God, man. I swear to God. <laughs> I swear to God, I'm fine. Look, I love B-Ball Paul. I think B-Ball Paul is an NBA player. He has made a lot of mistakes this year. Yeah. I'm not like, he hasn't been great. I am blaming that on Doc, not like allowing him to work through these mistakes and having to consistently feel like his role is threatened or he's in for two minutes at a time when Trez plays the worst basketball anyone's ever seen in the second quarter. And then it's like, okay, B-Ball, you got three possessions to, to, to earn your spot. Oh, you didn't do it? Okay, you're out again. Like, I, I want them to trade B-Ball Paul for his own sake i think that he deserves a chance to play basketball somewhere else uh for a coach that doesn't like despise him um but they also should trade trez because whoever they get at the deadline it's not going to be jared vanderbilt obviously he was put in, into yeah. this trade uh with the lakers um i just worry that unless there's somebody that like doc has their phone number already like he's not going to he's going to play trez over them it doesn't like matter who it is like i don't even i just need somebody that can either just like the idea of a, of a of a shot from a big man, of a pick and pop, the idea of it, the idea of a, catching a lob, without with like in traffic, the idea of being athletic, the idea of protecting the rim, rebounding, anything, have a skill, pick a skill, do any you skill. Think, do you think being under the tax could do any of those things? Yeah, I would love to be under the tax. It would really be a, a, a weight off my shoulders if they were under the tax. All right. We, do you see? We, did you see the quote? Last thing. Did you see the? It's not the last thing. I'm lying. Did you see the quote? from trez where he said oh yeah i don't know what i could do better or whatever is that a real is that a real quote well I, it was from one of those accounts but it was referenced it was like via was Keith Pompey, right? Pompey. yeah i don't know the the origin of the the quote i could put up a powerpoint presentation if he wants some <laughs> tips like are you kidding you don't know what you could do better you don't know what you there's nothing 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 can come to mind nothing can come to mind Worst backup center in the league. Nothing can come to mind of what you could do better. I simply am going to perish. 
How are we still here? Daryl, uh, you got your the countdown is on. If it's if he's still I think he should be traded because otherwise Doc's going to play him. But there better be at least somebody in front of him. By by this time tomorrow, I'm going to I'm I am melting down. I'm finding new ways to melt down. I'm gonna right. peel my flesh off of my body. <laughs> The trade deadline is 3 o'clock tomorrow. We'll, we'll get into that in one second after I talk about Mike's hat, Briggs Auction. Show him, Mike. Show everybody your Briggs Auction Briggs hat. Briggs Auction, a lovely hat. I think I even like this one better. I wore this one earlier. Yeah, they got a fucking great logo, Briggs Auction. Nice. You know? It's like it's like old-timey, but, but current old-timey. I love mm -hmm. it. Briggs Auction is a sponsor of the Ricky. We love a partner of the Ricky, as I like to say, a four-generation family-owned and operated auction house in Garnet Valley. Now, you don't have to go, while it would be fun, ooh, that would be a great event, an actual live auction. Uh, while it'd be fun to do an auction, it's all online, which is great. What do they have at Briggs Auction? Fucking everything. They have a brand new auction getting posted on Friday. They're estate auctions that have everything from sports collectibles to music collectibles to art to uh, furniture that you're not going to find anywhere else to, to cars, to sporting equipment, to electronics, to everything. They post auctions two, three times a month. What you want to do is download the Briggs Auction app. Or go to BriggsAuction.com. The Briggs Auction app is on the uh, Google Play Store or the uh, the App Store, the Apple App Store. Amazing. I love like stuff. I love at least looking at stuff online. And the greatest thing about Briggs Auction is so many of these items, again, whether it's sports collectibles, whether it's art, whatever it is, whether it's classic books, they're all like so many one-of-a-kind items. So download the app. What I, do, what I tell you to do is once or twice a week, just get on the app, get on the website, Check to see what the auction is that week. There's thousands of lots. The bids start at a dollar for most of the lots. Um, and just see if there's something on there you could use. And I mentioned furniture. A lot of times you go to order brand new furniture. Now you're waiting six months because of supply chain issues, not a Briggs auction. You win a Briggs auction. Pickup is easy by appointment or Saturdays they have open pickup or they can work with a shipper and get it to you. And if you have a bunch of shit you want to get rid of that you feel like is worth some money, well... They'll take care of it for you. Info at BriggsAuction.com. Info at BriggsAuction.com is the email address. BriggsAuction.com. Okay. So Kyrie was traded to the Mavericks, uh, which happened a couple days ago. The Lakers then made a trade per Woj today, that the three-way trade, them, the Timberwolves, and the Jazz. The Lakers end up with D'Angelo Russell, Malik Beasley, and as you mentioned, Jared Vanderbilt. Mike Conley goes to the Timberwolves. Russell Westbrook and a first-round pick go to the Jazz, who will end up cutting Westbrook, and it looks like he will go to the Clippers or the Bulls. Also, Juan Toscano-Anderson and Damian Jones go to the Jazz, and uh, Nikhil Alexander-Walker goes to the Timberwolves. And then the trade that happened just before we started was uh, Cam Reddish. Was it Cam Reddish and a pick? Yeah. For? Josh Hart. For Josh Hart who's a good player, um, would be good for the Sixers. That would be would a good Would have been great for the Sixers. Sixers. But um, they don't has, really has become like, when you look at his stats, has become like less willing to shoot, it looks like, which would mm -hmm. make him fit in right here. Be great. Welcome So the, the Sixers have been rumored to be interested in Nerland's Noel. Furkan Korkmaz has demanded a trade. The Sixers great. have been rumored by several people as they, if if nothing else, they will get under the tax. Um, and Matisse Thibel has been mentioned in many, many, many trade rumors. The only specific trade rumor we've seen so far is from the guy that had the Kyrie trade, Doc Llewellyn, who I think is a TV guy from Dallas or something. Um, it doesn't look like, well, it, the trade can't happen now. It's a three-way with the Pistons and the Lakers, which would net the Sixers, Nerlens, Marvin Bagley, and Bojan Bogdanovic. Um, I I actually think there's barely anything going to happen in the trade deadline. I think we'll see Ferk probably go, and that's it. You have a uh, a feel. Well, Korkmaz is not easy to trade because he got two. He's got another year after this, so it's not just like five million. He has another. He's, he has another year, so it's like people. I didn't even know they're going to have to pay to get off of of that if he's not in the rotation, which Doc yeah. just like doesn't want to put. Like the it just seems like guys on on better teams. Guys cycle through rotation and like guys take, you know, get a couple of games off here and there and like 
guys pop in the rotation if they're playing badly. Like, well, they come you, out. They're like, you there's, pair there's, them with Thibel all of a sudden, what, you're at, at 10 million, right? Thibel's making like $5 million yeah. a year, right? Yeah. Yeah. But like, you know, he's just buried on the bench. He's not playing. So I get why he doesn't want to continue sitting on the bench throughout through his like, you know, mid 20s. Um, it is funny that he's asking for, he's actually requesting a trade. It's pretty it's solid. amazing. Um, it's, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. Um, the, the Utah trade is really interesting to me because the rumors in the last few weeks have been, well, they're going to demand a first round pick from Lake Beasley. They're going to demand a first round pick for Jared Vanderbilt, who everybody wants. And they're definitely going to demand, uh, a first for Conley. And they trade all those guys all three. and Nikhil Alexander Walker, who is a like absolutely like rotation guy um, and hitting shots from three and like is long and is cousins with Shea Gilgis Alexander and is interesting. I would, you know, he takes his, some of his shot selection is bad, but I, I he's an interesting player. Um, they're, they're just, they got one for him in four years and it was like top four protected. And it's the Lakers, and they're assuming like, oh, there's a good chance that that's a really that's a really good pick, and maybe it is, but like that's a lot of years for the Lakers to, you know, some other star to decide they want to play in L.A. Um, I find that bizarre. So, as far as like what I thought maybe six hours ago of like, well, there's a lot of buyers and everything's going for a pick, and the Sixers don't have enough of it. Like for all that stuff to get one pick out of it in the future, maybe that's not the case. So I don't know. I have no idea what's going to happen. Um, what do you think of the nice. rumors? I, you know, it's funny, the like the, 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 like the Sixers being interested in Nerlens. I would love to see him here just for the story. I, it is strange that he doesn't play in Detroit, especially after he yeah. had played so well in New York. Or, yeah. uh, you know, he, he's not that good anymore. He's, he's just not that good. He'd be better than Montrez Harrell. <laughs> he, of course he's better than Montrez Harrell. Spike. Every, if you listen to me on the podcast in the last few months, everybody's better than Montrezl Harrell. But I wouldn't trade anything. I wouldn't go like, okay, the Sixers have a couple moves, a couple tradable things. And that's Matisse's contract. That's Korkmaz's contract. That's Dan House's contract. Maybe somebody would be interested in giving B-Ball Paul, who's an expiring, a shot Can't trade him. Can't of, trade him. Of, like, of on like who is, you know, maybe, maybe he's, he becomes useful and then they want to, they have his bird rights and want to sign him to something. Please. Same same thing for Matisse. We'll see. Same thing for Shake expiring. Although he's obviously a rotation player, so they'd have to replace him with somebody who's actually good. Maxi, which would be like a, you know the nuclear option, and then really the first round pick into the future, which you mentioned, and the Charlotte pick this year, which is a second round pick, but it's really a late first because Charlotte will be like that. That pick will land like thirty two or thirty three, and some some teams prefer an early second rounder to a late first because you can have more flexibility in the contract. contract. Yeah. Um, and there's always, always, always good players taken in the first 10 picks of the second round. Always, 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 always. And the Sixers didn't have a pick last year because they traded it for DeAnthony Melton. Um, and if they trade this pick, then they don't have a pick for two straight years. And all of a sudden, like they get, they're getting back into the, like, you know, you need some young guys to perform on rookie deals. Like you need it, not just because I like young guys, prospects that like have upside, but also because fucking, like then you're you're just signing minimums to guys who are, nobody else wants, and you can get high. The reason my Maxi is so valuable is because he's on fucking the cheapest deal in the world, performing at a high level already, and you can have that with with guys coming out of the draft, and you don't get that when you sign like fucking. I mean, Montrezl. Name, name, name a guy that's signing for fucking the minimum somewhere. Markeith Morris, whatever. Um, you take, you got to have a couple swings at upside here and there. And so, I really don't want them to trade that Charlotte pick. They also have Jaden Springer, who I didn't mention. So, like, if they trade some of those things, they can't trade all of them. Like, I wouldn't trade both Springer and the second pick because you have to think of the future. Like to your point, like how close are they? I don't know, but like, you package Bebo Paul and Matisse. And Daniel House or and Korkmaz or something, and maybe a future second, not this one. Then like somebody, you should be able to get a backup center from somebody. Jimmy H asks, 
Uh, writes Ricky Sanchez at gmail.com. Spike Mike and CJ basketball question. How do you feel about Jeff Green as Embiid's backup center? If it means we got Bones Highland to pair with Maxi off the bench, Jeff Green is arguably worse than Montrez, but he's right up Doc in Daryl's alley. 36-year-old veteran, played for Doc in Boston, acquired by Daryl in Houston in 2020. How much would it take to make that happen? Furkan Matisse and B-Ball Paul, a second rounder? I brought up the I brought up Jeff Green uh, last podcast or the podcast before. I don't I don't see why Your Denver list. would would trade him. Right. Um, Amazing like how a, Bones Highland has has fallen out of um, favor there. So yeah, quickly. it's bizarre. I'm interested to see. I think he just must want a bigger role, and I'm interested to see where he ends up. Um, yeah, I mean Jeff Green's good. He and he can shoot, and he does shoot, and he can and he's still athletic. Like there's still there's there's still stuff there. Um, so that'd be interesting, but I don't, I don't foresee them trading him. Jimmy's non-basketball question. What would have to happen for Kenny Gainwell to win Super Bowl MVP? Ooh, I had um, him in, I'm putting together a giant same game parlay on DraftKings for the Super Bowl. And I think Gainwell over 29.5 yards is in the, is in it. It seems like it, it guaranteed. What he's was popped the last game? few games. Over uh, I think if, if he gets if he gets two touchdowns, I think it might take three. I think it might take three. But you if know it's what two, it if be? it's two on the ground, yeah. and nobody else scores one, then like maybe. Well, it could but, be two on the ground and one of those hurts games where he throws for like one thirty-seven and runs for fifty-two or something, and he throws an interception. I think you they, know what like, I mean. They want to give it to the quarterback so bad. Yeah, they they always want to give it to the quarterback. They're dying. It doesn't really matter. They're just like, let's give it to the guy that people know about and want to hear from. Um, so it, it has to be like a really like hands down, like, you know, Hassan Reddick gets like three sacks and two force fumbles, like kind of thing. Um, Kenny, Kenny's going to need three to get it. I hope he gets it. Uh, we got an email. Uh, don't want my name to be used since this is an ongoing issue. Dear Spike Mike and TJ, I reached out to Adam Cornblow about an issue that a family member was having settling a real estate, settling an estate after their patient, their patent patient passed away. That parent, I think it's parent. I think that is a misspelling. I think it is parent passed away. Adam called me personally and took time out of his day to share what he found when looking up the current laws on that issue. Even though he's a personal injury lawyer, Adam was very nice and very thorough on giving me this legal advice. Thank you, Adam. And thank you, Ricky Crew. Fire CJ or whatever his name is. Uh, Cornblow and Cornblow is a sponsor of the Ricky, also a sponsor of the VIP tickets of Live Ricky 5, the Cornblow VIP ticket. Cornblow and Cornblow have been there for four decades, the premier boutique personal injury law firm in the Delaware Valley. Why is that important? Well, why it's important is when you hear personal injury law firms advertise, when you see the billboards, you see the commercials, they are big call centers when they're sending you really to other law firms. Cornblow and Cornblow, you call Cornblow, you get a Cornblow. Adam has a passion for this. He will treat you the right way. So many of our listeners have reached out to Adam, not even like that guy about his patent. That guy, uh, not even about personal injury thing. And Adam gives you his time. He is truly a mensch. They have offices all over the Delaware Valley, but he will come to you. He will make a house call for you. Um, I'm telling you, whether it's injured at work, whether it's car accident, whether it's slip and fall, medical malpractice, which is their specialty. If you think you've been hurt and or if you've been hurt and you think it might be somebody else's fault, don't be a hero about it. Reach out to Cornblow. It doesn't cost you anything. 215-576-7200. Ask for Adam. Email cornblow at cornblow and cornblow.com. Cornblow and Cornblow, the official law firm of the process. Now, Mike, our YouTube comment of the week this week, our hard to stomach YouTube comment of the week comes from Shannon Hyde five. Does CJ have enough dog in him to produce a live show? Hmm. What do you think, Mike? CJ has been producing the pod for over two years now. This is his first live Ricky live Ricky five special guest announced on Friday, probably pre-sale on the 22nd on sale on the 24th. Very limited tickets as Underground Arts is small and it will be seated. Do you think CJ has it in him to produce a live show? I think the only way to know that is if he gets up at his conference right now and starts doing beats himself. (laughs) 
Uh, I don't think he has that dog in him. I, I, CJ I, pop I do up not. for a second. I just want to see your face. There you go. That's all I needed to see. That's all I needed um, to see. It immediately put me in a better mood seeing CJ nod at me. Yeah. I'm excited about Live Ricky Five. Very excited. Should be fine. Very excited. Um, Got a big, a big and like cartoonish size measuring tape. Yes, we will measure CJ on the stage. Um, CJ man, need a full haircut. Need a buzz. Yeah, dude. People are gonna go crazy for the measure CJ thing. <laughs> oh, and we have okay. So we'll be announcing our special guest on Friday, and then we have another thing to announce after that that you guys both know about. That's happening. That I texted you about the other day. Do I remember this? Yeah. You do, yeah, yeah. We'll we'll announce that after we announce uh, the the special guest. But a a special, let me hint, a musical thing that's happening. So we'll announce mm -hmm. that in a little bit. So looking forward to it. If you want to be involved in the presale, you have to be a newsletter subscriber. Right, slash newsletter Eight three three lickface is the voicemail. We have a couple of voicemails about fly the process. One of them involves a mystery that we needed to solve. What's up, fellas? Uh, this is Brandon, or uh, the guy who's been looking for the uh, the knee guy. <clears throat> so I just wanted to give the quick tale of... Uh... Now, real quick, the knee guy is the guy who Brett Brown sat on his knee at the picture at, at Fly the Process. Uh, Brett Brown sitting on my knee. This is, um, the knee. This is him. A... What's that? This is him. He sat yes. on the knee. Okay, yes. I thought he said he was looking for it. All right, great. No, no, no. He said, that I'm the guy you're looking for. For the, uh, the knee guy. <clears throat> so I just wanted to give the quick tale of, uh, of Brett Brown sitting on my knee. Mm -hmm. um, I tweeted a, a photo of you guys at my Twitter's at Pokedoff, P-O-K-E-D-O-F-F. But uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm a, uh, we drank a lot of uh, dope beverages at the happy hour, uh, which was great. But then by the time uh, the game was uh, going, we had some more. Finally, we get to the court, feeling good, having a phenomenal time, Sixers win. Um, and I'm six foot four, I'm a big guy, so we're, they're standing people up. People behind me are sub six foot. Um, so I was like, all right, I'll get down on one knee. I'll get out of the way. And then the Spurs guy is like, hey, Brett Brown's going to go right there. I was like, I'm going to have Brett Brown sit on my knee. I was like, I took everything out of my pocket. I was like, all right, I shined it up, shined it uh, up. And I started shined walking over. Up. I smacked my knee a couple of times. I said, come pop squat. And uh, Brett sat on my knee. Um you know, I've never had another man sit on my knee, but and I never plan to ever again. Uh, I have my other knee digging into the court, but I figured if Brett can uh, coach the Sixers during the terrible years, uh, I can deal with the knee into the court. So finally he hopped off. I, I gave him a handshake, and um, yeah, I still can't believe it happened. I'm waiting for the photo. I keep refreshing the Twitter page. Uh, can't wait to see it. And uh, yeah, thanks again for the trip. Incredible time. Sixers one, uh, yeah. Thanks, fellas. There you go. The mystery nice. is solved. The could have used more description of how, like, the softness of Brett's butt on me. But, I would have. Yeah. I would have liked to hear that. Um, writes Ricky Sanchez at gmail.com. This comes from Kyle. Hey guys, love the pod. Before I get to my questions, I just want to register as a daily Q-tip user. I still can't fathom how anyone could break off a Q-tip in their ear and not know it. My mm -hmm. basketball question is: If Danny Green hadn't gotten hurt. Would you rather have Danny or PJ Tucker on this current team? Let's figure the Sixers were able to include someone else's contract to make the D'Anthony Mountain trade happen and had the option to choose between Green and Tucker with both being as close to healthy as a player in their age range could be. I mean, I think Danny's also pretty washed. Yep. Um, I think PJ is a better defensive player than Danny, even though Danny gets like more steals. steals. And stuff. Yeah. Um, I, I probably wow. It's so frustrating watching PJ. He's wide open above the break. Doesn't even look at. The, doesn't even. No, look but at he him. doesn't shoot him above the break. He never has. That's that's dumb. No, he he's should. not good at it. He's he the, doesn't the, try. Like he should learn to get good at it. The way NBA players get he's good at stuff. Thirty-seven. <laughs> the he's excuses you make for PJ Tucker is very bizarre to me because you've been making not excuses for people for. 10 years on this podcast and here's a guy that you're making a lot of excuses for i just no, i don't i don't know what you it can't you I, i've this this is something that i've been consistent on if players are usually good at the things that they're good at and and if they were good at other things they would be different players like pj tucker before we got him was only shot corner threes that's all he did when you when he shoots the threes they barely get off the over the rim from the corner i'm just like he's he's, he's 
in the last two years of his career, he's not going to all of a sudden start shooting above the break threes. I'm it's just, just very clear. I don't remember watching him and being like, man, he's not even looking at the basket here. It, for whatever reason, look on the Sixers, there are many record scratch moments when P.J. Tucker has the ball in his hands. It gets swung to him, end of shot clock moments, and he's doing nothing with it. He gets the ball under the rim. He, he, had, he had an open like layup or dunk in this game, and he hit like a, a, he took a floater from two feet out that went like 16 feet in the air. Like it felt like every, everything feels like a, a miracle. Um, and he has hit a couple threes the last couple of games, which is nice. But like He's shooting like 39% from three on like 1.1 attempts per game. It's just like it's so many record scratch moments that end in Harden or Embiid taking like hoisted threes with crazy shots. It's just like I'm not asking him to become to like all of a sudden become Jason Tatum. Simply if you're wide open like Blake Griffin was tonight, like step into a three. You're an NBA player. I don't feel like that's too much to ask. Anyway. Stop signing old guys. Too many old guys. PJ's too old. Danny's too old. Get guys who are athletic still. It's nice when guys are athletic and can run and like dunk in open space and like jump over the defense and catch lobs. That'd be nice. The non basketball question. Everyone's in the hospital. This. <laughs> you're, you're, you are cooking tonight, man. The non basketball question this is a great question. If someone broke into your house while you were pooping, would you wipe first before getting up or at least jump up all shitty, ready for what ha- whatever happens? Obviously, there are obvious factors to consider. Are there children in the home? Will the dog just scare them off? The severity of the poop being taken? Me, I'm wiping while I call 911 and hoping for the best. At least I won't smell like shit. Thanks, guys. Uh, great work. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying, you know, in that moment, I think you are reacting quickly. You're not like having a lot of time to think about it. Mm-hmm. Judging by past actions of mine, I would say I am keeping my pants down, dick out, <laughs> like sort of squatting over to the the intruder and maybe like trying to talk him down. I don't think it's a good idea. I'm saying that's what I would do. Right. That's what, probably what will happen if right. it happens with, I, a shitty, not- with a shitty butt. Another call regarding fly the process uh, to 833 Lickface. Hey, Spike. Hey, Mike. So uh, my one buddy, he lives down in Austin, actually. and He makes it to all the San Antonio games he can when the Sixers are down there. And it just so happened that he went to fly the process game. He didn't go through fly the process or anything. He doesn't listen to this podcast, but he's heard about me talk about it and stuff. But anyway, he texted me. He's like, wow, there's a lot of Sixers fans here. And I was like, yeah, it's the fly the process. And he didn't know what that meant. And then he was like, oh, wait, is that the right to Ricky Sanchez thing? Because I just saw the bitch guy. It would have been funnier if Mike was the like, bitch guy? but just wanted your guys' opinion on right. which one of you two would be considered the bitch guy. <laughs> the Obviously, bitch guy? my friend who doesn't listen to the podcast considers Spike to be the bitch guy. Yeah, I wasn't there. So I wanted your thoughts on that. I wasn't and, there, uh, so I couldn't be the bitch guy. My non-basketball question, which sixer is the bitch guy? So... The bitch it, guy. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm the more annoying of the two. I think, especially to non non podcast listeners, right? Because I will say things that are that irritate other fan bases. Certainly, so I was referred to as the bitch guy. I think I would be the bitch guy either way. Mm. But the, the question being, who, which Sixer is the bitch guy? Uh. Uh. Depends where you're coming from. I think I think some fan bases would call Joel. Um, they'd be wrong, but maybe Doc. <laughs> Could be Doc. Let's say it's Doc. Yeah, for sure. I said um, I might have said this before on my podcast uh, on the podcast, but um, when uh, when I was on Perfect Harmony, my boss uh, Leslie, who's great, uh, referred to me and Pat, my writing partner, who's been on this podcast before. Uh, sports nerd and his pussy friend um <laughs> and it just changed on the day who was who yeah i was gonna say who which one yeah. is which so it's the same it's the same thing sometimes you're a bitch okay. guy sometimes i'm a bitch guy you're right 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 uh it goes back it goes around um and final email uh writes ricky sanchez at gmail.com this comes from garrett your spike mike and cj basketball question who's a better nba player right now matisse Thybul or ben simmons I think it's pretty close. Neither of them are particularly good, but amazingly, I find myself leaning Thibault. 
No, it's Ben. I mean, Ben is still a really, really good defensive player. Um, watching him, I mean, he's not as good as he used to be, whether it's his back stuff or just like the, the lack of confidence offensively, like affecting the rest of his game. But um, the stuff he does defensively is like, is like special in a way of like one-on-one defense. Can I ask a question? Doesn't, doesn't have. Can I ask a question differently? Yeah. Who would you rather have? I mean, I don't, I would rather not be in the Ben Simmons circus anymore. Yeah. Um, and dealing with that. And the weird availability stuff and yeah. the fact that you can't even think about putting him in the fo- quarter in the fourth. Like, you say what you want about Thibault. He's not, like, particularly worried about anything, it doesn't seem no. like, at least. Famously not worried about yeah. anything at all. Um, yeah, I'm interested to see what happens with, with Matisse because they do need they need him right now. Like, if you, just, if you simply took him off the team, then this team would be really, really desperately lacking in athletic players. That would, be, that would put so much on D'Anthony Melton to at like six three to be like the most this to get ev- just all of a sudden become Marcus Smart and just get everything. And he's just not he's good. He's really good. He's an excellent player. I love him. But like he can't do it all. And it would require Tobias to like be fully locked in on the defensive end and on the glass like all the time. They just need more athletic dudes. And Matisse like he's absolutely has his drawbacks, but like at the very least, like he's he can sky for a rebounder can be quick to a loose ball or can save a ball something like everybody else just so goddamn slow or small it's unbelievable how we've been we did this last year we did it last year and we're doing it again with just a different set of small or slow or old guys it's killing me <laughs> daryl don't even think about it don't even think about don't even say the words buyout market if Ner- if you get somebody and then you also get nerlands on the buyout market then great and that's nice that's fine. I'm happy with that. But don't be thinking like the buyout market will save us because I have news for you. I will kick your I, tall, big ass, Daryl. I, I, I call me. You, you know, I've been wondering. So we, you know, Daryl has been on the, we, Daryl visited everybody at, at, at Fly the Process. We have a good relationship with Daryl. Daryl's been on the pod a bunch of times, including when he was in charge of the Rockets. We were talking about having Daryl on after the trade deadline. And the way that you're talking makes it unsurprising to me that we do not have a confirmed date yet. <laughs> like, like you, you beating up Daryl. No, he loves it. He loves it. You think so? Of course, he loves it. Okay. Yeah, we talked. He's he's all good with it. And I wouldn't not, tell him. I wouldn't. I wouldn't threaten to beat him up if I didn't actually like him and knew he liked me. Uh, and non basketball question from Garrett. My wife and I just had a baby girl. Congratulations, Garrett. What's something annoying that people with kids do and we should try to avoid? I don't know. Make them Sixers fans. I, you know, do every annoying thing you want to do with your kid. Yeah, that's fine. That's what life is. You're allowed to do it. Yeah. Judge other parents for what they do. Yeah. But we can't, we can't, you know, you're annoying. Yeah, that's, you know, as long as you're enjoying it, that's what it's about, right? There you go. Okay, well, so the trade deadline is 3 p.m. on Thursday. Sixers the, Adam had a good, it's, it's, you know, it's different now because of the trades that were made, but it had a good primer on the site. Yep, with the um, 30 top uh, Sixers um, targets as yeah. well in there. Nasri not on there, but I would like, I would consider that. I don't know, I don't know what's happened in Minnesota. I don't know if they're going to try to trade him or whatever, but. Wait, who did you say? Nasri. Oh, yeah. I mean, just like at least he's, at least he's an offensive player. At least he can yeah. make some things happen offensively. Yeah, he's Justin not. Holiday. I'm just gonna. I'm scrolling through. Justin Holiday. Interesting. You'd be interested, in Justin Holiday. Well, he's isn't Justin Holiday like 34 as well? Didn't you he's want any more? What's that? He's 34. Yeah. Yeah. You didn't want any more old guys. Well, the, yeah. That's a problem. Yeah. Is that there's too many. The guys that are young are not available generally, yeah. or are too expensive. I don't know. Justin Holiday's got to be better than Daniel House. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Rudy Gay still has some juice in those legs, but again, is 36. <laughs> He'd win a game for us. I would love Chuma Kiki, but Doc would never play him. I would love Chuma. He's awesome. Um, no idea what the Maps are doing. If the Spurs are keeping Pirtle, I would, I would take Zach Collins as their backup center. Oh, boy. Kelly Oubre, but hard to, you know. He's he's expiring, but I would absolutely take it. No, he's like, he's, you know. He is fucking infuriating. I don't want to. would totally be infuriating, you. but... Yeah. He could at Sixers Adam makes the point on the Suns. He was he was more controlled and not a leading scoring option. 
and he's not perfect by any means, but like he's athletic. He's got a solid, like big frame and he can shoot a little bit and he can get to the rim. Like that's nice. That'd be nice. Jay Sean Tate would be sick, but I, I don't, I think the, I think the Rockets really like him a lot. You'd rather have a backup five than a wing. Well, that, that was the cool thing about the perspective, the potential Jared Vanderbilt trade is that he's, right. he would be both. Like you could play him at the four with Embiid sometimes. And also he's a backup five if doc was smart. But now he's gone, so I don't know. Um, yeah, Mir Coffee would be interesting. He's not really in the rotation for the Clippers. Do you want Gary Harris finally? De- forever six uh, years? I would, take a, I would take a chance on Gary Harris. Yeah. You would yeah. too, right? Yeah. What about just Jay Crowder, the guy that's been available the whole time? Nah, fuck that guy. You don't want him? No. Yeah, He hasn't played basketball all year. Fresh legs. Mm, I'm not buying it. And I, I don't want anybody on this team that fucking sat out all year and is a role player. Like, f- absolutely not. We just got over that bullshit. Look what happened. You trade for that guy, you end up, no, fuck him. I, I know Mike O'Connor wants Jay Crowder. The idea of Jay Crowder is fine. Fuck that guy. Absolutely not. No. Yeah. We have enough losers on this team. Kelly Oubre or Jay Crowder? Oh, oh vomit. Um, Oubre. I'd be happy with Ubre. That would be interesting to me. I don't know. I mean, it's not a ton of, you know, with the guys that were traded today, Vanderbilt, Josh Hart, it's it's interesting. I was texting Michael Conner about Mo Bamba. He thinks Mo Bamba sucks. I'm not like, I don't terribly disagree with him, but at least he, he might suck though. Can he has the At least when he stands on the court, out to three-point line, like that's effective standing when so many other, like, when Montrez is out there, his standing couldn't be less effective. And when P.J. Tucker is out there, a lot of the time, unless he's directly in the corner, his standing is wildly ineffective. This fucking guy in the YouTube chat, that's a dumb take. Crowder is a good defender and three-point shooter. How many three-pointers has he made this year? Dipshit. How many? How many How many players has he defended this year? Zero. Because he chose not to play for a contender because a role player chose not to start. Meanwhile, Tyrese Maxey, the third best player on the Sixers, got put on the bench and is smiling and playing away. And you want a guy who's going to sit out because he's not starting. He, he hasn't even played basketball. No, we just got over that. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. You don't want that kind of guy on your team. The Sixers don't have a strong enough locker room to withstand something like Jay Crowder, who, by the way, has always thought he's better than he actually is. It's just the, we need to, regardless of what happens tomorrow, and Daryl, something better happen tomorrow. The, we need to transition into one of Embiid or Harden is on the court at all times. We can't do it anymore. We can't, we can't do it anymore. That you look at the numbers, it's very simple. When Embiid and Harden are on there together, they're an excellent team. When Embiid's on and Harden's off, they're still a pretty good team. When Harden's on and Embiid's off, they're surviving, pretty good team. When they're both off, they're the whatever, well, six and fifty-eight Charlotte Bobcats. <laughs> whatever the whatever that number yeah, was. Yeah, I, re- wow, I remember that team. They're they're the worst team of all time when they're off the court. Is that so MKG? Just, sure. Yeah. yeah. Around. So just don't do it. So just don't do it. Doc, you don't you don't you're not gonna win any awards. There's no like play the bench the most and it, it was reasonably successful sometimes award. Just like get the team ready for the playoffs. There's never a circumstance when we need both of those guys off the court at once. Wait. Never. Before so let's, we go, let's officially do that. Before we go, I want to play you uh, a quote from uh, Blake Griffin, which is going to make you fucking you, crazy. Are you ready? Are you ready? Mm-hmm. They won't leave on this. This is Blake Griffin. This is courtesy of uh, NBC Sports Celtics on Twitter. What are you feeling out there? What are you seeing out there to, to get you going from three? Uh, just space. I mean, honestly, when a team leaves you open like that, um, you just got to try to make them pay. Um, and, you know, shooting open shots all night. So um, it was nice to see some go through. Uh, J- James Harden was just talking about how you, you got – like they just kind of left you open um, and, and like they were just lazy on the defensive end. Do you feel like maybe a little disrespect to just kind of leave you open like that, that you know, as a guy who can shoot three-pointers like that? Um, I don't really take it as disrespect. Um, it hurt him. That was their game plan. Obviously, 
you know, Doc makes that game plan. Um, they didn't adjust, which has been sort of a thing. Um, <laughs> no disrespect, though. <laughs> what were you feeling out there? What were you seeing out there? To, Hell yeah. To, you know? That makes me like Blake Griffin so much. Uh, just, no disrespect, though. No disrespect. But he's making the game plan. The game plan fucking sucks. Doesn't adjust. We beat him because we hit a bunch of open fucking threes. Good. I hope Doc hears that and adjusts. God damn it, man. All right. It's really I got to go to bed, man. I've been, I'm so tired. Um, so less will, wide open threes, not if, like a brilliant basketball mind. Don't do this to me. That's no, the goal. That's just last, the goal. The goal of mine for me okay. as like, just like a casual observer of basketball. Don't even think about it that much is okay. like, maybe they should try to give up fewer <laughs> open threes. This is just like a thought, just like a general thought. Like maybe, maybe in like the, in the modern three point era in the golden age of threes, like we should give up fewer wide open ones is a thing. Is it something I'm thinking about? Right. It's just a casual. Okay. I'm going to go watch soccer. <laughs> Okay. If, you don't if the Sixers make a trade, we'll talk to you tomorrow night. If they don't, we'll talk to you on Sunday. And Mike will be dead, though. Or Daryl will be dead. One of the two. We'll talk to you then. Are you down with TTP? Yeah, you know, like face. If you don't fuck with me, then I won't fuck with you. If you don't fuck with me, then I won't fuck with you. But if you fuck with me, I'm gonna fucking kill you! Thanks for playing, dude. 